Welcome to Stars and Roses, the podcast that recaps The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise through the lens of astrology and the zodiac. I'm your host, Hannah Piper Burns, and I can't wait to give you the celestial lowdown on everyone's favorite reality TV dating shows. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. Hello and welcome to Stars and Roses. I'm Hannah Piper Burns, and I'm the metaphysical anthropologist of Bachelor Nation. Welcome to week seven. Right off the bat, we have another Chris Harrison voiceover about how hot and steamy Vietnam was. Are you starting to catch my drift? Honestly, literally the next thing we have is Colton vlogging about how excited he is to get back to Denver, a.k.a. White Wakanda, saw that in a meme, and clear his head before hometowns, get clarity, right? Um, It's just a really interesting narrative about place, and I think it's worth keeping an eye on. Um, I also think it's worth noting, there's a lot of nitty-gritty to get into this episode, and we'll get gritty, we'll get nitty, but before all that, I just want to say... Five women went home last week over those two rose ceremonies, and all but one were women of color. And the reason I say this is it's just, I think it's important to examine and unpack our desires as much as we examine and unpack other behaviors and other things that we've learned and inherited. Um... And, you know, it puts the idea of safe choices, this phrase we heard last week, and this idea of who makes someone feel comfortable, who makes someone feel at home, it it puts that in a different light that I think is worth noting. That's all. I also think it's worth noting that, you know, in Thailand and in Vietnam, we have these like extended makeout sequences in the mud and the rain and the ocean. And the Denver dates are wifey dates, right? Meet the parent dates, feed a dog an ice cream cone dates. Um well let's just let's just jump in. With that, let's jump in. Colton has a dog, it's the exact dog I would expect him to have. He has his dog, meets all the contestants in a park, and announces that his first one-on-one is with Taisha, and he and Taisha are, understandably, the only people excited about that fact. And I'm happy for Taisha that she gets a date that doesn't involve scorpions, or bungee jumping, or, you know, it's a low-key, it's a low-key situation. Although I really wish that they had had Rocky Mountain oysters instead of actual oysters. I feel like production's not above that. And they had the opportunity, and they failed. Me, personally, and America in general, and the world. Um, I'm actually getting ahead of myself, because the first thing that Colton does when he gets back to Denver is he hooks up with his bro, Ben Higgins. Higgy is the only Republican I've ever loved. (laughs) Uh, in all seriousness, uh, Higgins was The Bachelor, season 20, right? 
Uh, he is an Aries with a Pisces moon. God bless him. And um, they sit down for some, you know, some QT. I, and Colton uh, tells him he's falling for more than one woman. Higgins can relate to this because he told both of his final two women that he loved them, which is a whoopsie, technically, to keep things, you know, wrapped up. You should really not say the L word until the proposal. And, um, you know, that's like best practices, but it was the heat of the moment. Um, and he ended up, by the way, with Lauren Bushnell, who's an Aquarius. And the runner-up was Jojo Fletcher, who's a Scorpio. She was the Bachelorette. And she is still with Jordan Rogers, who's a Leo. Although... Um, Ben and Lauren have broken up and Lauren is now dating like a country singer. He seems like kind of a big deal. Um, I love that Higgins says it's like, it's going to get better. It's going to get worse. And you just need to lean in, bro. Um, and I think more men should tell other men to lean in, bro. In, in general. Um, meanwhile, there seems to be this, like the women have been installed in this. It's like a, castle manor. I love the idea that it was built in three days to house them, like the Olympic Village or, you know, like, um, uh, sound the alarm there. We need a place to house them. Uh, and we have Cassie and Kaylin also processing the whole Katie, Sydney, Demi trifecta of warnings. And, um, importantly, they're assuring each other that, no one would question that their intentions, especially not Tasha, because A, they're cool with her, and B, she doesn't know them very well. It's an interesting take. That's what I got from that convo. And of course, that convo is uh, included because what immediately happens is Colton asks Tasha for her take. And Tasha immediately names Cassie and Kaylin. <laughs> and I really don't want to choose sides between Tasha and Kaylin. Like, I, and Cassie, I have nothing against Cassie. And I think, honestly, I think everybody's doing their best. I'll get, um, I'll say more on that later. But I do think it's interesting that Tasha has been cast as someone reliable. It's definitely something like a, a aura that Virgo placements put out. It's like, I'm the responsible one. I'll handle it. I can handle it. I'm trustworthy. But she's essentially doing the exact same thing that Onyeka did, which she criticized. It's like a combination of both this policing that behavior that I've talked about and this assumption of bad faith intentions which I also think gets amplified both as the cast gets smaller and as the villains disappear simultaneously because it kind of leaves vacuums. Uh, and it also um, gets harder and you need, you know, it gets harder to cope. And sometimes uh, as a coping strategy, we take sides, right? Um, I'm thinking, of course, like, again, of JoJo's season, speaking of JoJo, 
and how after Chad left, um, both Wells and Derek sort of became targets of multiple men in the house. And also, actually, Ben Higgins' season, as the as we went along, Leah kind of had a freak out and told Ben that Lauren Bushnell wasn't there for the right reasons. And Ben was like, <laughs> it broke Ben's heart because he re- he'd been wanting to marry her since night one. Um, and of course he sent, he ended up sending Leah packing and proposing to Lauren. Um, but I'm saying that this kind of behavior is not without precedent and it's not necessarily as simple as this is right and this is wrong. And this, you know, it's more of, <laughs> again, nuance and, if words got heard wrong, twisted, games of telephone, and this story in particular, I hate it. Like, because it keeps changing and it's persistently vague. More on that later as well. Um, and like, honestly, as a Virgo, it's sometimes hard to swallow a pill that you don't always know best. Everyone reacts to a situation differently. And judging people by how they're responding to a situation is unfair because again this transit lights up everyone's chart in a specific way um so after that whole confession session um i'm assuming that when they were at that public market that they bought some salmon and um then they're cooking it and they're doing this like tandem chopping thing that stresses me out a lot I don't think more than one person should be on a knife at a time. Period. Good rule. Uh, she warns Colton about her hard-ass dad, and um, hard-ass dad at Hometowns is potentially the most tried-and-true trip that there is on this show. And here's where we see the Capricornness of Colton in his Venus and his Mars really jumping out. And that, like, idea of tradition and um, traditionality. this These ideas of, like, absolutely, you know, I absolutely need a father's approval, a father's blessing before I can propose. Um, I really hope she takes my name. Like, this is not the Aquarius talking. It's the Capricorn. And um, it makes kind of makes me want to barf. Uh, and it's like, I'm kind of barfing on and off. Um, I did think that the jersey was cute. I have a thing, though, for, like, do you remember in Hackers, Angelina Jolie had the New Jersey Devils um, jersey, hockey jersey, and she wore it as a dress? Um, So I get it. Uh, But here's another thing. I don't care if you're a virgin or what. Never tell a paramour (laughs) that your bedroom is the place where the magic never happens. Don't do that. Um, Yeah. All in all, a good date. Tasha, of course, she gets the rose and she's the first confirmed hometown date. And the next day she confers with Kirpa. She and Kirpa seem to be forming a dynamic duo. And Kirpa says, I got you. I'll confirm your story. And again, like, they, it turns out, have very different stories. So Kaylin, of course, has the next one-on-one, and it's snowboarding, and nobody cares, and it might as well, I mean, I might as well fast forward to it. I think I blacked out. Like, we're all waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
And it does. And the other thing that falls is Kalen's mask, which is fascinating to see. Um, and I'm talking, of course, about um, her ITM interviews. ITM means in the moment. So they're basically, you know, pulling you aside uh, in the moment to ask you how you feel. So, you know, she's uh, f- processing her emotions in real time. And, uh, you know, that's unfortunate that she, uh, I don't know, she's, she says some things that maybe don't do her case much good. Like, what I'm talking about is, like, her saying, I, I better get that rose so I can confront Tasha and call that bitch out. Like, that's not, you know, that's not helping. Um, but again, I get it. And, and in general, like, there's going to be a lot of she said, she said, bullshit in this episode. And I'm trying to parse it. And I'm trying to lightheartedly call out, you know, bullshit when I see it. But of course, these are all human beings. They're all valid. I think they're all doing the best they can under the circumstances. And I think it's really fucked up that people that, you know, I think it's fucked up enough that contestants who are there with each other can assume intent. It is even more arrogant of us to think we can assume intent, really, of these women. Any of these people. So I guess what I'm saying is, like, don't go fucking commenting on someone's Instagram about shit you really don't know about. Seeing it so much. And like I said, I mean, I'm not... I'm not specifically defending any of these contestants either. And I want to say, you know, I will be tough but fair. (laughs) Um, But I love them all. Maybe not equally, but I definitely love them all. (laughs) Um, Important note, though, Kaylin is totally stone-faced through all of like Colton's rattling off all the accusations of Tasha's, and she's just like nodding, stone faced. And then he gets to the Bachelorette accusation, which, as an aside, yeah, make Kaylin the Bachelorette. I feel like this is a no brainer. I don't know. Maybe people don't like her. I, I, I just think it's a yeah. I think it's a no brainer. Um, and it, but she seems very caught off guard, or she's she's very good at acting caught off guard in that moment. And she says she's blindsided, which is a big Bachelor buzzword, like um, validation. Um, and she says, the only person who knows me is me, which is that Gemini shit. Yeah. Straight in the chaser. And, you know, this is intense. They get to the second portion of the date and they're like already weeping at each other and you know, she's had a chance to compose herself and she shares this, you know, vision of their life together and her fear that it could be ripped away and the certainty that she's falling in love with him. And I'm pretty sure it's the first time he says it back to somebody, not just in an ICM, that he says, I'm falling in love with you too. 
And um, so now, of course, she is also going to hometowns. And they get a little surprise private concert at Red Rocks, uh, which is a a very (laughs) well-known... I don't know if people don't know what Red Rocks is. I think... I have no idea who who is playing. Um, But I feel like, you know, on Caitlin Bristow's season, they went to Ireland, and she and Jared had this date where the Cranberries played in a church. And I think, you know, if they wanted to, like duplicate that kind of perfection of, of, of specifics of place and, and, uh, culture. Um, it should have been DMB, you know, they could have gotten Dave Matthews band for one song. Come on. I think they, they, it's just lazy, just lazy. So many missed opportunities. Uh, Hannah B gets the last one-on-one. And that makes sense because she had the first one-on-one. Everyone <laughs> Does everyone remember that travesty? Um, so that means that the group date is Hannah G, Kirpa, Cassie, and Heather. Kaylin is back and, and she clues Cassie in on what's going on. And Cassie says, and I think this is important, are my words going to be twisted too? So that props up my theory that like, look, If you're not thinking about life after The Bachelor, you are, in fact, not doing your mental health a service, which is, I think, a toxic lie of the show, right? We're supposed to believe the contestants are all in, have no um, reservations, and are just, you know powering through the fear that they could go home and not even thinking about the possibility that this is not going to end in a proposal. And that, you know, the odds are very, very, very much not in any particular person's favor. And it makes a lot of sense to think about what all the things that could happen, right? And, um, There's a lot of ways. I mean, basically, like what Nicole said, you know, was you have to take the opportunities that come to you, something like that. And Elise and then Onyeka in this game of telephone took it as I took I'm on this show for the opportunities it affords me, like moving out of Miami. And that's basically exactly what's happening here. It sounds like that Cassie and Kaylin's words are getting twisted. And I'm, I'm saying this because this is where things start to get weird. Um, cause then Kaylin, uh, confronts Tasha, and, you know, I got to hand it to Kaylin. She really knows how to confront people. I feel like she, uh, has a lot of emotional intelligence and Tasha also has a lot of emotional intelligence. And so it's a very different kind of confrontation than we see a lot on the show. I mean, Kaylin and Hannah B's tete-a-tete was, was likewise, uh, pretty impressive. So anyway, Kaylin confronts Tasha, but, and the story suddenly changes. And now it's not about Katie's saying she heard anything. Now it's about Kaylin and Cassie acting defensive, which is a whole other thing than saying something that may or may not have been misunderstood. Now this is even more vague. Acting defensive. 
right? That's very, very hard to pin down. And um, Kaylin says she feels betrayed. She feels like their friendship was a lie. And Tasha is like, hey, nothing personal. You would have done the same thing. I don't know if that's true. Kaylin, it seems uh, a little more zip-lipped. But um, honestly, it's true. I mean, Tasha has a point in that Colton asked her point blank. At the same time, though, I see I see Kaylin's point of like, if we were friends, why didn't you come to me? Especially again, especially after what went down with Onyeka and Nicole, like, and also, Tasha didn't stand up for Nicole to Colton that we saw. I mean, maybe she did, and we don't know about it. But um, I think that's an important little anecdote, especially for later. Um, Back to Hannah B, who is going home to meet the folks. To her credit, you know, she does not choke as hard as she did on the first date. It's still not great. She's just, you know, it's just hard for her. It's hard for her. Um, I mean, there is an earnestness that comes through. Um, But it's also, I mean, it was a lot for him to spring that on her. Colton's dad, who's looks sunburned, uh, tells him to trust his gut. And, um, that's not the first time we've heard that this episode. And it's, as we know, certainly not the last time we're going to hear it. We hear the phrase, trust your gut so much that I think about, um, in High Fidelity when John Cusack's character is like, I've been relying on my gut for years, and I'm beginning to think that my gut has shit shit for brains. Um, It's, but, I mean, it's painfully obvious to everybody, including, on some level, Hannah, that he's just not, he's just not that into her. And this despite her doing everything, like, quote-unquote, right. And this is, like, again, this is proof that it doesn't, do us any good to be prescriptive. Like, even though the show sets out these very specific uh, steps and this very specific structure, love is meant to act as the chaos within that structure. And so we can't expect to do things by the book and have it magically work out, nor can we fault others necessarily for not doing things by the book. Unfortunately, I mean, Tasha has Venus and Virgo, and Colton has Venus and Capricorn, and they're both very by-the-book placements. Um, back to Venus and Scorpio, Hannah, who wants to be loved fearlessly, very Scorpio-Venus thing to say, Um, she reiterates that she's falling in love with him and he says he appreciates hearing it. And we're beginning to learn that that's his code for thank you next, (laughs) because that's exactly what he said with Demi. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm proud that Hannah looked, she looked stunning, loved the dress, love a powerful little puff shoulder. 
Love the color. I'm proud that she kept her cool. It was very pageanty, like coming in second, smile through the pain. She's trained well, and it'll t- you know that those that'll take her far in life, I think. And I I appreciate that she knows her worth. And you know he says something you know trite, like I'm sure there's someone out there for you. And she's like, yeah, there is, and she believes it. And I think that's great. What I didn't like <laughs> was. Her her exit warning, which was just, you know, just listen to people about things. Super, super helpful, Hannah. Just really the yeah, best, best thing to leave with. Um, although I did, oh, I also love that while she was in the in the limo, she's just like rattling off the list of Colton's ideal qualities in a mate. Like she had them memorized and was working on them. Um, which seems like a very Hannaby thing. And I honestly, you know, I have not been the biggest fan of Hannaby's and I've tried not to be so hard on her and I'm going to miss her because, you know, like next to Hannah, I mean, Hannah G doesn't have that spark. Not for me, not this season, you know, say what you will about Hannah B, but you know, she's fun. She's goofy. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Good luck to you. So now we have the final group date and there's two roses in play. (gasps) Two roses in play. I was wondering if we were going to get like one rose on this group date and then have to do a rose ceremony, but that turned out not to be the case. The... Uh, remaining four women put on their whitest tennis shoes, blindingly white tennies, and take the chilliest limo ride in history and arrive. I did think it was cute. Like, once they arrived, they kind of snapped out of it and were like, oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's incredible. And could, like, bond over that um, after they after that stony uh, limo ride of silence. And then, um, oh, choo-choo, here's a choo-choo train. Andy Dorfman had a train date with Derek Doesn't Wash His Hands (laughs) on her season. Um, I cannot recall if we've seen one since. But I love a, gosh, who doesn't love a, who doesn't love a train? Um, Heather almost immediately self-eliminates on this date. And, you know, honestly, this is, this is my thing. I kind of feel like that's the proof, right? When I heard this warning about some people might not be ready, like, Kaylin and Cassie were not the first people I thought of. And obviously, what do I know? But the first people I thought of were Hannaby and Heather, because Hannaby, I think, is, I think, still trying to become, despite everything she says, I think she's still trying to become worthy of love and become, you know, uh, and I think Heather, you know, you just had your first kiss 10 minutes ago, like live a little. And sure enough, she self-eliminates, which means she probably was the one who wasn't ready and she took care of it. And look, Situation solved itself. We can all calm the fuck down. What's also really interesting about this is that we are three for three for 
self-eliminators on the season that have a Leo and Venus. Look at that. So this makes me want to like do a longitudinal study of self-eliminators over the seasons across gender and see if any Venus placements jump out. Super interesting. Honestly, this this breakup is pretty drama-free. And you get the feeling that Colton is also like really relieved because it kind of uh you know, it takes takes one option off the table. It makes this decision that much easier and right now things are really hard. Things are hard. And getting harder. Um yeah, honestly, the other women seem to take it the hardest. Uh, so that's Heather's one-on-one time, and now it's Cassie's turn. So Cassie's there, um, pleading her case after Tasha, uh, while Kerpa is, like, gearing up to, you know, kind of go round two. And, um, Kerpa says, you know, she heard, Kerpa says she heard rumors from Katie. First of all, Hannah G., says there have been red flags. Okay, like what? And then it becomes, Kerpa says, oh, Cassie still needs to find herself. And it's like, well, which is it? Is it both? Is it, did you hear something specific from Katie? Or is this your judgment of Cassie? And at times, all of this seems to go back to Katie. But I, you know, again, I just don't think it's fair to pin it on someone who who isn't there. It's like convenient, but like, what are we referring to? No one's giving any specific receipts. It's weak tea in the parlance of our times. But Cassie's really going to bat for herself. And, you know, Colton says that that, like, famous never wrong, apparently, uh, gut of his is telling him it's okay to trust her. And then, of course, Kerpa gets to him immediately afterwards. And I thought it was interesting. Like, she framed it as, um, well, you know, I've had to break off an engagement. And I would just, like, never, I would never wish that for you. And I think that's such a perfect combination of, like, her Capricorn son, which is, like, oh, again, traditional. Like, oh, I would hate for you to have the embarrassment of that. I would hate for you to, like, have the impropriety of that, you know, no one wants that because that's not how how things are supposed to go, quote unquote. And, um, it also speaks to that cancer Mars, which is interesting because like Nicole has that same placement, that cancer Mars, and it kind of manifested in emotionality and manifested in crying, which Onyeka responded to really negatively. And, and Onyeka, for Onyeka, it was like, you're a psycho. Because you're crying at everything or something. Um, and here, it's more of this, like, manipulative mommy dynamic of, like, oh, you know, baby, I know what's best for you. Like, I'm just trying to protect you from all these um, me and girls. You know, you got to protect your heart. And, God, I would I would hate for you to be embarrassed. I would hate for things to work out badly for you. That's, like, um, that's an insidious cancer thing for sure. Um, yeah, she tells Colton they panicked and got defensive, which means she didn't hear Katie say shit, right? Or she would have said it. She would have said, Katie told me they said this, but no, panicked and got defensive. And then, you know, it clearly becomes 
the fact that she thinks certain reactions are shitty, that crying is a sign of guilt, which is again, like kind of a Capricorn Capricorns get a bad rap, uh, for, uh, being kind of robotic. Um, and it really blows my mind that you would like judge someone for, um, getting upset just because I feel like it's so easy to get upset on this show. Not like I don't, I'll cry if I don't have enough like sleep and I can imagine you often don't get enough sleep on this show. Like that's enough for me at all of this, um, tension. And it's just like, yeah, get out of here. Um, So, you know, of course, <laughs> Colton doesn't know what to do with the roses yet. So they have to change clothes and go sit in silence, icy cold silence, at this table. It's like they took a note from Onyeka and Nicole and were like, they fought loud and they both went home. So we're not going to even do that. We're just going to be silent. And it's so, I mean, it's like so cold and tense in there that when Colton gets in, he's like instinctively whispering because he's picking up on the energy. And I think the table arrangement is also really strange. It's like the three of them at one end and then him at the other. Um, it's in like an odd, like, why not just make it round? Ugh, I don't know. Um, and he asks if he can see Hannah G out front, which I thought for a second was like, oh, out front, that seems specific. And like, oh, out front where the car is. But of course, he's decided he's giving her the rose, uh, the, the second to last rose, and she's also going to hometown. So of course, now we have a de facto two on one between Kerpa and Cassie. And I gotta hand it to the powers that be. This is not the two-on-one that I saw coming. And in some ways, it's even more devastating because we don't really see it coming. And we don't even really, like, so many times over so many seasons, it's been announced on the date card. And we're, we're like, you know, uh, kind of ready for it. And so this is almost more, like, devastating, the knowledge of, like, ugh. I, I am so angry at this person in this moment, and I know one of us is going home also. Um, apparently, uh, Tasha and Kaylin are better off. I mean, the vibe seems way different back at the ranch when Hannah G, I guess, I guess he does put her in a car, uh, because, you know, why would anyone want to stay in that horrible dinner party? It's like something out of a fucking dog me 95 film uh and so hannah g gets back and you know it's like oh spill it what's the goss and they kind of seem like they're chill um but then you know kaylin's like if if cassie goes home it's not okay and she uh you know i guess maybe the car's still there that brought hannah g back she runs down says take me with you. And she goes to intervene. And I'm trying to remember if this has ever happened before. I mean, usually, I mean, we've definitely had interventions of this nature, both from current, like people who are in the cast that crash a date and also like cast members who've been eliminated that come back and crash a date to sort of like intervene. But normally those interventions are not on a contestant's behalf. They're 
to a contestant's detriment. It's like, oh, I'm warning you about this person. It's important. I gotta, I gotta crash this date because you're making a huge mistake. Not, I gotta crash this date because you'd make a huge mistake if you didn't keep her. I think that's fascinating. Um, and, uh, she, I love that she like walks right by, uh, both Kerpa and Cassie twice without saying anything, which is actually kind of a gift because it gave them something to like connect over and kind of break that silence and be like, that was weird. That was weird. Right. So that was kind of actually, I don't think she did it on purpose, but that was like nice of her. Um, and you know, I also want to say when it comes to Cassie that like, first of all, it's probably a function of editing, but I've only ever seen her be gracious and considerate with the other women. And, uh, you know, the other thing I want to say about Cassie is apparently, uh, according to Vulture, who's been really doing some great reporting this season, according to Vulture, Cassie was on a reality TV show previously while she was in college. Uh, she went to an evangelical Christian university. And this TV show uh, follows students at that university. And um, it shows her um, with her previous boyfriend. And eventually they break up. And yeah, she's in it for two seasons. And it kind of, um, well, you know, she doesn't really talk about her faith. Uh, or hasn't talked about her faith explicitly so far on the season, but it uh, makes her fear about um, not being a virgin and that being found out by her family. Yeah, makes it make a lot more sense. And like, you know, a lot of the time it's a red flag when a contestant has been on multiple reality shows. You know, it's, it's you know, it kind of speaks to their intentions. Um, but I also feel like a distinction should be made between like the like trashy dating show that Waboom and what's his name were on and what sounds like sort of a real worldy documentary kind of look into the lives of young people, uh, just, you know, living in Christ. Um, I obviously haven't watched it. Apparently it's streaming on something called Castle TV, which I've also never heard of. Vulture watched it. They did the work. They have a great article with some takeaways from it. Uh, so you don't have to watch it. Um, but uh, I think those are, uh, that's just a interesting anecdote about Cassie. Um, and I also like, you know, in what universe is, is Kerpa going home to meet, or is he going home to meet Kerpa's family? You know, like, they barely know each other. Who, as little as I know about Cassie, I know even less about Kerpa. And that's, like, really saying something. Um, so it's Cassie. And they um, they share some champagne, and she's in this, like, great, again, great pantsuit. And then the credits roll, and it's a Virgo nightmare. Oh, my God. Getting, um, not just getting a stain on your clothes, not just getting a stain on your butt, not just getting a stain on your butt that is brown, not just getting a stain on your butt that is brown in public, but getting a stain on your butt that is brown in public on television where people are also, not only is it, oh, 
being filmed, but people are filming you because you're a celebrity. Um, I, uh, yeah, God, hasn't she been through enough? Uh, I was just, just dying inside for her. Um, she handled it with grace. Um, I would have just, yeah, curled up, curled up in a corner. Um, and maybe she did. Uh, I wouldn't blame you, hun. Next week, uh, I don't think we're getting the fence jump. Uh, but we are going to get some, we're going to get some hard ass dads. I hope we get some hot siblings. Um, I hope we get some like weird, awkward hobbies slash, um, collections, uh, slash rituals. Um, I'm sure it's going to be equal parts heartwarming and horrifying. Um, and I have been, you know, trying really hard not to read the spoilers, watching Bachelor Nation tear itself apart over the Tasha Kalin, Cassie Kirpa drama, you know, there seem to be these camps of people who have read the spoilers and are sort of like, just you wait, just you wait, just you wait. And it's like, sure, probably. Of course, Reality Steve is not right 100% of the time. I feel like I need to say that. He's made some calls that turned out not to be true. I don't like to read spoilers, but, oh, it's so big if true, all of this, that I'm really, really tempted. Um, If you want to talk about your best ways of avoiding (laughs) reading spoilers, or uh, if you want to talk about Kerpa and Cassie's placements and why they can't be friends, or really anything else, Bachelor astrology related, you can find me at starsandroses underscore podcast on Instagram. Shoot me a DM and I will be back next week covering hometowns. Until then, thank you so much for being on this journey with me and I can't wait to see where it goes.